What's up, guys? Welcome to this episode of the Year One Podcast, brought to you by 712 Marketing. My name's Mikhail. And I'm Hannah. And on our podcast, we talk about the mindsets, values, and strategies of giving entrepreneurs. Hey guys, today we have Clark Buckner, the co-founder of Relationary Marketing and podcast lead at the Nashville Entrepreneur Center here with us today. We're really excited to have him on. It's a little intimidating having another podcaster. No, it's not. No. But it's really great. I'm so great. happy to be with other podcasters, <laughs> but it's such a lonely world we sometimes live in. It kind of is. Yeah. So do you want to give us a little bit of background on what you're doing these days? All right. So first of all, yes, thank you so much for letting me come on to your podcast. It's a real honor. Three main things that I am doing. One, relationary marketing. So that is a B2B podcast production agency. So we create podcasts primarily designed to help them with their content marketing, to give them audio content that comes with a blog post and you know, some things that they can feed into their normal content marketing. We call it relationary because there's a relationship nurturing aspect that can be used by businesses to help align their sales and marketing efforts and all that good stuff. So we've been doing that for over a year. We don't have any debt and there's no debt. We're, we're making some money. But That's now great. this year, you know, that was in our year one. We learned a lot <coughs> yeah. from that. But now we're, we're really trying to take what we learned and, you know, hopefully we can triple what we what we did and mm-hmm. and and do that. So that's the first thing. Second thing is I we're recording this. It's so cool that we get to do this. Oh, I know, love it. His face another, is great. Um, so with the two of us, we're sitting. You know, it's me and you, Hannah, and we're in the National Entrepreneur Center. And I know you've been involved here for a while. The EC for many years, it was a startup supporting other startups, and it grew out of the National Chamber of Commerce in in 2010. And years have gone on since then and now more than ever we're positioned to help support entrepreneurs and, and navigate the entrepreneurs and the local area to the right resources the, the critical resources that they need to be successful whether they're creating launching or growing their business and then the third thing is just you know Nashville's a really special place and the the, t- the people who are here and the community that's here and so the third thing I try to do as much as I can is just be involved in the community and try to help out with different projects like with podcast types of projects so there's some cool groups locally that I'll just try to show up to their events and and just see how I can contribute by capturing stories and, and be involved in the community that's what keeps me pretty busy and um, Sounds like it. Yeah. <laughs> so we actually met through Barcamp, which is one of the conferences that you do some podcasting with. What has been your favorite Barcamp moment? That's so Barcamp. So Barcamp, <laughs> for anyone who's listening, so if you've not been to Barcamp, it is just like a it's an unconference, locally grown source, all volunteers, and they curate uh, different speaking opportunities and it's just a community coming together and bar camp they just celebrated the 10th year i think right yeah. 10 years or 10 years in nashville at least 10 years yeah. in nashville you're right because bar camps are not like an international thing so <laughs> it's my favorite moment is just the moments where i get to come together with other people so yeah definitely. it's awesome what's your favorite bar camp oh i don't want to leave michaela <laughs> yeah michaela what's your favorite nashville bar camp moment <laughs> all the way out there in <laughs> orange County. i'm so jealous actually <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, well, I know you're you're going to be coming to Nashville, right? At some point. See, now we're getting it at recorded. Yeah. You've got to come now that <laughs> I'm for sure coming to Nashville. I got to I keep bugging Hannah to 
for one move out here, but she's come, I think in March, it'll be twice that she's visited and I still haven't been there, but I heard the, uh, yeah, I heard the winters are brutal over there and I'm, I'm really digging. Not as bad as not really brutal compared to California. Yeah. I'm, I'm digging not my compared to like Maine. Well, right now it's like, no, well, let's see. Um, it's a, it's like what, in the forties. <laughs> it's freezing. I don't know how you guys survive. What's the weather right now? It's around 48 degrees. It's only 48 right now. That's really not bad. So there's something wrong. It's like a light. <laughs> there's something Mikhail wrong. Mikhail would right be now. in a park. I'd be in a park. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so, with all of these, with the three different elements of your career, what gets you excited to work each morning? There's this concept of connection and navigation. I think navigation might be a better word that through the great avenues in, in Nashville with like different pockets of people. What I really love the most is when someone sh- comes to Nashville, they're new and let's see someone, Melissa Hawks this is someone I actually knew in a previous couple of years ago, a couple, previous life, just a couple of years ago, but she just moved back to Nashville for a startup. And she said, Hey Clark, I'm moving back to town. I said, Oh great. We got to get together. What are things you're interested in? And she said, Hey, I'm really looking for a, a group of women and technology that I can kind of, you know, f- you know, mm-hmm. be around. And I love like, what keeps me really excited every day is to say, great, let's like, here's that community. And also if you want to hear some of their stories, like here's some, some of the stories you can listen to about them. And anyway, long story short, you know, she, she checked out some of those things. And then like a couple of days later, she shows up with seven of her girlfriends and they all go to, um, we had an, a, an event here called she started it, I think is what they came to. It was like a diversity women in tech event at the EC and she came here and she loved it. And then it's like, I just love the butterfly effect. You just never know what it is, but it can lead to so many things. That's my favorite mm-hmm. movie of all time. It's such a <laughs> rant. Have you seen the butterfly effect? I have not. No. This is I an old to. movie. I've heard of it, but I haven't seen it. Is that with Ashton Kutcher? It is. It is. It <laughs> is. It's really hard for me to take him seriously. <laughs> I know. And he, he is very serious yeah. in that movie, which is really weird. But I, I just, that concept of, like just one decision, that one introduction or that. And a lot of that translates, I think, into the work that all three of us do with digital media. So your co-founder is Chuck Bryant, who I met at a one of my like very first networking events when I moved to town. He invited me to bar camp planning meeting. That led to craft content, which led to, I mean, I guess bar camp also led to like EC connections. And I met you and met all these people. And I've had probably like two or three clients through bar camp and just that planning. So like the national community... We're just going to start bragging on Nashville, I think, during throughout this podcast. But it was it's been great to just That's right. And that one little handshake. We're like, hey, you know, what do you what do you? Yeah, come on out to the bar camp planning. You know, you want to. That's exactly (laughs) how it starts. Oh, my gosh. Um, But yeah, that's I just love what keeps me excited every day is the work that we all do with creating content and trying to connect that content to people that it can serve and help. And then seeing what happens because sometimes you know it might fizzle out or sometimes something really magical happens um what do you think what do you think it is about podcasts that not like a specific channel or anything like that but what do you think about podcasts in general um what is it that makes people connect with them that's a lovely question because and there's a lot of connections i think as well to entrepreneurship and, and like, especially like being an entrepreneur in your first year that I've been kind of like just mulling over, but about podcasting, you start kind of zooming out first. What's really cool about 
the medium to start with is when someone's listening to a podcast, you know, your average commute time in America one way, it's about 25 minutes. Yeah, it's, you know, your length of a podcast, is still, it's going to be a little bit of a commitment to listen to. But for those who are listening to this medium, to, to this kind of content, they interact with it totally different. There's a real intimacy about it because you're usually listening alone. You're usually listening with headphones on. You know, our screen time is it's so competitive with, especially with how much stuff goes towards video. But there's so many times when you just can't be having screen time. You're working out. You're driving. You're, well, taking the dog out on a walk, whatever. And the accessibility of it, especially with you know the smartphone. I mean, it sounds. I feel like an old man saying or feeling <laughs> weird saying that because it's not even a big deal at all. But I feel like a lot of a lot of podcasting. But I feel like it's really taken off since exactly. the smartphones have developed. Right. Yeah, it's taken off Definitely. with the accessibility of it. I think it's a low barrier to to enter in, which is great in a lot of ways because I mean, you have a lot of really amazing people being discovered. If I had to boil it all down to one thing, it is the intimacy of it is so different. And it's it's spoken voice. I mean, it, it, definition of a podcast, it just has to be episodic or subscribable. Technically, that's the definition. It, it's almost like the person you're hearing, you're kind of shaping them in your mind. And that's why sometimes it's weird to meet someone or see a picture of someone who you've been listening yeah, to. And it's, it's like, what? Radio DJ you look like that? Like, yeah. Because you're literally, when you're listening to something, it's quite literally becoming a part of you. And that... You know, if you know if you're a brand or a business or someone with an important message, that can be a real asset. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So we've talked about podcasting, but not how you got into podcasting. How did you start? The way I started podcasting was I was I was actually in college, and I think a lot of us who are interested in marketing and content and entrepreneurship, sometimes it can be hard to find your circle of people Mm -hmm. or your community and I remember being really hungry for that and this is around the time I was finding out about Seth Godin and just really found myself to be inspired by a lot of you know if you blend together like you know the marketing computer science and um, how people think and make behavior decisions and all that so I, I started seeking out people and communities and tribes who talk about Seth Godin so I found a guy a podcaster out in the middle of nowhere Try to keep this really short, but I started listening <laughs> to this podcast and I really liked it. I'm just like this like little kid, you know, and I reached out to him once to see if you know just to like say hello and and ask him to you know share a uh, a survey link I was trying to pass along to other Seth Godin people, and so he tweeted it out. And fast forwarding later, my wife graduates from school. She's a year older than me, so that summer we we go on a road trip. And we're like halfway across the country. This is a really weird story, but <laughs> we're halfway across the country and we're in this little weird town called Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And I'm like, what is about this place? I remember something about it. And it ends up that's where this guy lives. And like we connect over coffee. And that moment is a lot of, it's the same moment that so many of us experience, I think, in the world of mar- online digital marketing and communities is like when you meet someone who you've kind of been connecting with and following mm-hmm. along with is a really cool moment and so that's we started a, a friendship and years go on or uh, you know he comes to Nashville and I kind of connect with some of the people that he's in, that's in his community and that is what really opens my, you know, my my eyes up to you know creating content being a content creator and what that can do to connect with other people so I started a podcast in college and whether you want to consider me just you know 
a lead or a, you know someone a fan or whatever but you know this relationship him creating that content from such a long time ago has translated into more connections for him and he I mean I just you know I don't think I would have watched a video in that little dorm room when I was in college on the bunk bed I don't think if I would have watched a video or been reading a blog I don't think I would have had a connection like I did listening to a podcast it's more personal definitely right. yeah that's what I love about it we were talking about B2B podcasting with Relationary earlier. If a business were to do one thing in their content marketing strategy, what would you recommend them to focus on? This might sound surprising for me to say, but I promise I have a reason for saying it. But what I sometimes will tell people, actually, I always tell them this, especially in a business sense of using podcasting is podcasting doesn't make money and when you're, when you're someone who like creates this stuff that feels really strange but what I say though to follow that up is podcasting it doesn't make money however content marketing makes money and podcasting can be an essential part in your content marketing so the one thing that a business should think about and I'm not talking about an individual who wants to make money because there are ways, there are some ways an individual can, but it's in the extreme, like, you know, 1% that someone's going to really make money on a podcast. Right. For a lot of people do it for the passion and they love it. But for a business, don't do it because you're trying to make money or try to see hard ROI on it because that's not going to happen. It, but if you can treat it as something of value in your content marketing, that is how you start to see results. And this, just this week, I had a really cool thing happen at the EC and it just like made my 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 week. Is someone was kind of on the fence of purchasing a, a like getting getting into a workshop that we do. It's actually not a whole workshop. It's like a fourteen week class, intensive class, and she's really excited about it. And I and she couldn't make it to an info session, but I said, hey, no worries, I'm actually here right now. And they just brought him up on stage, but I want to send you this link. He actually shared his story with me on this, and I think you'll really enjoy it. And while she's listening to it, she felt inspired, she felt connected, and she made the decision, like, yes, I want to, like, make the leap just like he did. So that literally just happened, and that – I am, like, super amped up this year to be thinking about how do I create a marketing funnel to help just connect people with the content that they're interested in. And I'm doing that – I'm trying some new things out with email automation and with podcasting. So if you revisit that with me in a couple months, I hope to have some cool things to show for it. So yeah, I think just to sum that up, it's just to treat podcasting as you know, its own content marketing asset. So you have your social media, you have I think also with a business, I wouldn't think about getting into podcasting until you have the social media you know, down down right. locked and loaded and like you have that foundation, you have a website, you have you know, maybe you're doing a little bit of email already. It's just something to complement it. It's an extra bullet in the chamber. I was just excited that he gave some dash to the uh, to the social media aspect of it, which is always nice <laughs> for me. <laughs> because if you don't, if see, here's the sad part that can happen, and this probably happens with video content and other forms of media out there. But if you spend time creating something that is compelling and drives a message, and you know it has all of the the key components, if you don't publish it and share it in a way that can reach people then you'll get, you know, that you're missing out. 
Yeah, you're not going to get that ROI. Yeah, from you're not getting the ROI. You're losing that so money. You definitely have to have podcasts without social media. It is, it's a, it's you know, it's like, I don't know, it's a car without wheels. <laughs> That's a really cool. I'm probably going to use that in the next pitch actually because I think that not not even just podcasts. I feel like like you were saying, videos or any assets like uh, mm-hmm. business owners are like, yeah, we did this. $15,000 video didn't do anything for me. It's like, cool. It's stuck on your hard drive. What are you doing with it? Like, I, d- I don't understand. So, um, yeah, like posting it once won't do yeah. anything. It's continued creative use of it. How, how, That's why we try to focus on businesses is with, with who have that in place. We want to see the content we create for them to, to reach its folks. Mm-hmm. So that's part of the reason, another reason we do the B2B approach. But anyway, go ahead. You're about to say well, something. I was going to say, um, what would you recommend to podcasters and like the frequency of how uh, the frequency of their episodes? Okay. So you're, you're asking for the, the up, like actually posting of content onto your RSS feed. Yeah. Like how many episodes do you do? So that's a common question. You know, I, I would not wait. Here's another thing before I say this. I like to say, and this is sometimes an unpopular view, but especially in the business sense and the business application of using content and using podcasting, I think there you can't there are no right or wrong ways to do it. You can it all comes down to what your goals are. Mm-hmm. And so in those five steps, that first step, it's most important. You have to be thinking about the content design really of any content marketing, but especially with a podcast, but it all comes down to what your goals are. Releasing content on a shorter frequency, like maybe it's only you know once a month. If that's all you can work with, if it's all the content you have, then I would think about marketing your podcast less through an RSS feed and, and utilizing it more through email, like using right. that piece of content that yeah. went to a blog. Because I think one of the biggest things that I like to tell clients is it's okay if you can only afford like one blog post a month or something like that. The most important thing is to be consistent. Yeah, we would love to do four blog posts a month or like once a week or whatever. But if you can't afford that or if that's not sustainable or even if it's just talking to another company and I'm not even financially involved in it, just you needed to be doing something that's sustainable. We're also talking... um, In our meetup this past week, one of the other members was talking about how he saw a good spike of growth when he started really consistently doing it weekly, which kind of put another bug in my ear of like, Hannah, you need to do this weekly. (laughs) (laughs) Need to to find the time. It can be hard. One thing I do, my opinion is if if you wanted to, once you're getting started with podcasting, it's usually good to kind of get your first two or three episodes done. You kind of have your intro with you know you kind of know like the who what and why you're doing this for you maybe have some stuff published that's in the bank or in the can and then kind of starting from there and then also you know kind of i i sometimes will think of uh, you know breaking it down season at a time so mm-hmm. if you kind of get to that point where you start to get exhausted you know wrapping it up as a season and yeah. then you can pick up it's taking a little, a little bit later break. i think that's fine i really do i i think it all comes down to what your goals are, whatever your goal is. So if that works for you, you know, and if you're still being able to serve other people and connect other people to the things that that helps, it's a win-win-win, then hey, you know, who's to say that's not the right way to do it? I love that, definitely. There's not one size fits all when it comes to right. content marketing. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. Um, with 
you know, with everything, you know, starting a business in the first year and uh, we all know what that feels like, which is amazing and horrifying at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> but how, how do you, you know, how do you keep it together and, you know, how do you, I don't know, how do you manage your brain and heart in developing, you know, your own business? It is, I, I think it's a smart move if you're able to try to build some momentum so when you have plenty of fuel in the tank to try to get you through. And I'm just talking about maybe it's, you know, relationships that you might have that you're kind of working with. I think it was helpful to have a, you know, we just finished our first year in relationary. It was really good to have a business partner being, you know, who you surround yourself with and who, where you're spending your time. Your mentorship is something with trust relationships, having honesty and being real and and maybe not maybe not beating yourself up it's so hard when you have so much media and there's such a sexiness to startups you know it's very glamorized it's very glamorized it's okay to grow slowly i think it's important when i said earlier to maybe have a side thing i think working for someone else or working on a team that's okay and you know keep it all balanced it's not Mm -hmm. easy but what I gave myself permission to do this year, and I think both Chuck and I did this with Relationary, we really wanted to focus. If we were okay to grow slowly. How do we work together? How do we right. take what I've been doing and turning it into an agency solution? So it's okay to grow slowly in your first year. It's okay to to take your time and mm-hmm. to, I mean, it's just growing slowly is okay, I think. Because I think we always hear the stories of, oh, they got... X millions of dollars in funding and now a year later they have X number of employees and they're doing so great. Like That is also very good, but it's also okay to take things slowly. It's okay if, to find your place in the world and yeah. don't burn out. They're going to have to pay those investors yeah. back. You, know, it, it, you hear people talk <laughs> about the funding yes. thing and I'm glad I don't have someone's cash to burn through yeah. because mm-hmm. we are debt free. Which is not something a lot of companies can say. I feel like in the national community, it's a lot of... Yeah, yeah sorry, no, Mikhail. sorry. So you guys didn't get uh, funding when you guys started, right? No, yeah. no, not at all. Who we does just, that? We both... <laughs> <laughs> what was nice, too, is we both took the things we have been learning along the way, and we've... And, we've, and we, um, we just... We just, we just bootstrapped. That, that's just so smart. I, I, I like that that model at least because you can now if we maybe we bootstrap for a while i just don't see us ever taking money we really want to grow sustainably and i feel like you guys have like you have the equipment and overall it's a pretty low overhead it's not like you're making products or anything that so it's that does that yeah, and you're right that's so you makes gotta it be easier that is fortunate within the in the space there is less risk probably involved in if you were to create product and mm-hmm. that would be hard so maybe um, I shouldn't speak too too quickly, but with what we're doing, that was what we chose. Right. And and if you're an entrepreneur and you're trying to think about what you're doing, I think comparing, like, looking at what other people do. Same thing with podcasting. If you're going to create a podcast, you should go listen to other podcasts and see what you like and see what you don't like. But also, don't fall into the comparison trap because <laughs> I do that so much. How did you get your first three clients, and what advice would you give to, you know, like you know? St- entrepreneurs just starting out on getting their first three clients if they're doing, you know, service type thing. All right. First three clients. The, the first one, 
it came from a relationship that I had contacted him previously to see if I probably contacted him probably a year before we actually started doing business with us and he's from a healthcare company and I was kind of starting to talk with him about hey have you guys thought about doing podcasting I I wasn't even at the point yet where I was even doing an agency or even doing that as a as a sustainable service because you can burn out quick if you're trying to do that stuff alone right but it basically just came from asking and just kind of forming a relationship, kind of putting a bug in his ear, and then later on he he circled back around. So hey, I think actually I, I thought about what we talked about, and I think we want to um, we want to we want to do something, and that was a great paying client. I think it's like also playing the long game. The long game. That's yeah. exactly what I was wanting to say. It's the long game because it's like you want to be selling when you don't have to, and when you have to, you don't want to be actually doing it because that's when. You know, you you can bug people out, and then they can put up a wall. And, yeah, definitely. But there's another one that's a professional services, like in, information security type of company, and we met them through. We were doing, we were servicing a conference. You know, pretty. We kind of went in with not really expecting to make a lot of money. Like we gave them a really really low rate, but it gave us access to do interviews with about a dozen influencers at the right. space and one of those said hey this is really cool because what we do is kind of it's hard to explain you kind of have you have to experience it it's like i don't know it's like explain to another podcaster why you like podcasting it's just kind of weird in a way because if they've never done it or if they're not familiar with it like what do you do but if someone experiences it you're like you know what i think we could do this too you know if you if you get a, an opportunity to do something as a startup even if you're not going to you know, take a big fat stack of cash away from it. You know, just showing up as many times as you can in that first year is going to help plant new seeds. So that was the way we did it with that one. And then another one came from something just like that at a different conference, though, that put us around a lot of people who might actually be interested in it. And one of those, one of their people, long, you know, probably a year and a half later, they that circled back around. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think just showing up, that's just such an important thing, showing up, giving, and giving more. If at anything, you're able to form relationships and you're able to try to help other people. But I think that's just the core thing. That's the one thing I think we did the first year is just try to show up and give. And there's plenty of things now I'm getting paid to do that for the first one, two, maybe even three years, I was not paid, but I just enjoyed doing it. So because of that alignment, it just, you know, I think just starting, and you just kind of start to carve out your spot. It's not easy. It's never easy. But I think showing up and giving is kind of the main. What about when uh, you're talking about doing it for not a lot of money? It, I think one of the biggest problems that I have and that I've heard other freelancers say is knowing your value and knowing your worth. Ooh, yeah. So how do you? how did you and Chuck draw the line of, this is a great opportunity. Here's what helped. We did a little bit of that, and Chuck doesn't like to do that, and he shouldn't, and I don't like to do it either. But what helped is our year one with Relationary was really like my year four because I had been slowly kind of building up, like, here, I'm doing a little bit of work over here. I'm working with this community locally, or I'm volunteering here with, like, they need help with getting their story out. I'm helping, and I like it. It was fun no matter what. But when those three first clients, when they came around, it was because they had seen and trusted and, and like me getting started 
if you do love what you do and you can find a couple ways, especially if it's a side hustle, right? if you can find some things you enjoy doing and you might even be interested in doing no matter what, those seem to mitigate and lower risk because you're doing something you love, you're practicing, you're growing in your craft. Mm-hmm. If, I, if my year one was my year one with just getting started, I would have done really crappy work. And I mean, it's when I look back and listen to old stuff, we're always our worst critics, but you know, it's cringe. I cringe at it. Like, why did I think that sounded good? Yeah, I yeah. do. <laughs> you know, it's no good. And I try to hide that off the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Just take that off the sound glass. I yeah. use that as an example. It's like, I, I, I might do like a little presentation. I bring speakers with me and I like, you know, people like to know where you started and all that. Exactly. Especially because once you start to become more successful, people are like, oh, I could never reach their status. And I love when people kind of say that to me. I'm like, look, I started on the floor of my bedroom with trying to figure out prices to send to Mikhail like two and a half years ago. <laughs> no, a year and a half. Sorry. And now like I'm a lot more confident in my abilities. Still struggle with pricing myself, but it's okay. Pricing is really <laughs> it's hard. And it's and that's one thing having a business partner helped me with this year. And because he I you know, he's you know, Chuck is probably about double my age and he's had other experiences and he isn't afraid to kind of price it as it is. And that to mm-hmm. me I'm like, oh man, that's I feel so like valuable. I feel like we're charging too much. We're really not, but my own self-insecurity is like, why would someone, you know, I'm not worth this. Right. And that's that's an ongoing thing, I'm sh- I know, but. It's all, all these, the things that creatives struggle with. <laughs> I think if you have someone else who, who knows, like, hey, mm-hmm. I know you, and I know you do good work. Yeah. And if you don't have someone who's kind of there, you can kind of melt away. Right. Definitely. What was the biggest lesson that you guys learned in your first year of relationary? Man, that's tough. One thing, well, I think what we have done is we've tried to prove some concepts and try to build some workflows, meaning like how do we take the editing sound that we kind of go for and the production workflow and how do we train someone else? I think just knowing we need help mm-hmm. and to, you know, we hire some interns. It's really cool because at the EC, even though I have EC interns at the Entrepreneur Center, they're unpaid. I always tell them, I'm going to do my best to find you paid work, whether if I can think of anything we need help with or if there's people in the community. So we've we've kind of grown relationary early on through paid internships because I can kind of work with them at the EC and kind of coach them up with, with what we're interested in. And then a lot of them we do, we end up hiring. So I th- what did we learn, though? I think... I think just learning, like creating the systems, because podcasting is such like a creative, subjective thing that even like editing audio, like when I was in college, you could take one song and everyone has different sounds of it. So that's hard. Or at least build some systems so it's a little bit more manageable. Right. So you aren't working, you know, mm-hmm. late at night and working on weekends. Yeah. I think that's the, the an important lesson to learn in your year one. I like how you keep working in the title. I know. I, I, hey, I love it. You, know, you, you hear year one, and it took me a while to kind of, like, why do they call it year one? But then once it clicks, it's like, man. And it also helps that I just finished like a year one. So <laughs> It does. Yeah, it's a little bit more. You caught yeah. me at a good time to, um, like thinking about all these things. How do you, for us, obviously, our, our whole thing with the year one podcast is reaching out to giving entrepreneurs. So for you, what does it mean to be a giving entrepreneur? I think I'll make a connection to the podcast world into what I've been experiencing from the podcast work I've been doing. So being a giving entrepreneur, it's kind of like being a podcast host in the sense it's really easy, especially about to interview someone 
that is a big deal. I'm not a big deal, so you have no reason to be nervous. But if I was going to interview, if I as a host was about to interview like someone that's just like a Seth Godin or something, I would be shaking in my boots. But what I, as a host, would remind myself, and I'll circle this back to entrepreneurship, but as a host, it's not about you. It's about your guest and making your, your guest feel awesome. And you guys have made me feel super loved and made special. Like I felt great today. You want to make your, your, your guest feel special, but it's about them. It's about him or her. And it's about your audience and it's about your, your listener. And I say listener singular because, you know, the someone who's listening right now, they're probably listening alone and it's just mm-hmm. them. You know, it's the four of us all sitting in a room together. So the connection to being a giving entrepreneur is it, you have to remember it can be scary. It can, you can be nervous, but it's not about you. It, you have to be reminded it's about those you're serving. And at the Entrepreneur Center, I've been doing a lot of like podcasting and trying to like, capture stories. And the, the thing I hear the most is the advice our best advisors always give is go out and talk to customers because it's so right. easy to forget that is why you're trying you're going into business to to scratch an itch they have you're trying to go and to heal a pain that they feel so being a giving entrepreneur it's about those that you serve and you have to be reminded that that was one of the coolest answers <laughs> right Michaela? Yeah, thanks. so good thank you clark that was great. you know what Bef- before we wrap up this episode i want i want to say something um you referenced seth godin a couple times here and you you really remind me of seth godin whoa yeah wow Look at that. i just wanted that I, uh and andy traub will be proud yeah, i just wanted to get that, that andy on record guy. so that <laughs> i say that like i just want that to be public. so then in a couple years when okay. he is the next seth exactly godin, we can, uh... yeah. <laughs> he's a he is an amazing person he is um, you know, so yeah, I really appreciate both of you and, you know, it's been cool because I, I remember you all starting this podcast, you know, and I remember like Karen, Hannah sharing it. I see if you've been starting a little podcast meetup in Nashville and like hearing her, like, you know, getting it started. And it's been so cool to see the guests that you all been sharing. I've, I've enjoyed listening and I'm just so thankful and I can't wait to see where it goes so next. So awesome. Thank you. This was, this is really great. Where can we find you and Relationary? So you can go to clarkbuck.com, C-L-A-R-K-B-U-C-K.com, and that is about to go through its year one because I'm really trying to take and curate some of the local stories and things I volunteer with, with you know, with their podcasting and, mm-hmm. and kind of putting it all in one place. So there i'm gonna be adding some cool things awesome and uh on twitter you are are you also clark buck uh just clark buckner okay well thank you so much for coming on and sharing we're excited to see where relationary goes and they're year two so awesome yes thank you so much Thanks for listening to this episode of the Year One Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. You can subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at 712 Team. 